to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. It is the eighth day of the twelfth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. In the United States of America and the USSA, this is a holy day of obligation. What does that mean to you? Well, you have to go to Mass. Well, it used to be a holy day of obligation anyway. Well, in the traditional church, you know, that one that lasted for, I don't know, 1967 years, just leading up to the age of Aquarius. Mike Parrott here broadcasting from a brand new location. I am not in the RTF studio anymore, and I won't be for some time. As time goes on, I will slowly reveal to you where I am and why, but let's just say I'm in RTF South, deep South at the moment, and the sun is shining, and it is beautiful outside, and I might get some vitamin D today. Uh, <laughs> you can still email me at restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. This is Paratalk, which broadcasts every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, here on the world's most illustrious live radio network. This is the Crusade Channel. Talk greater the way it should be. Okay, uh, it's, fri- <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. And we have to go around the world because that's what we do on Fridays. We go clockwise or counterclockwise from ice wall to ice wall on this flat plane that we live on. I can tell you it's flat. I was just at the looking at the beach this morning. The sunrise over the water. It's flat, ladies and gentlemen. It is flat. I don't care what you say. Here we go. Around the world, around the world, around the world, around the... You guys excited? I'm excited. We have so much to talk about today. I have government conspiracy theories. I have Vivek Ramaswamy. I have Joe Biden walking around the White House naked. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how excited I am about today. All right, uh, we got we got a lot to get through. Should I just leave this playing in the background? Does that bother you? I kind of like it. I do. I kind of like it. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, first things first, Fox News is really upset about something. They are absolutely going to blow a gasket. They are so triggered by how well Vivek Ramaswamy, the vegetarian uh, with the funny last name, the skinny guy with the funny last name. No, not Barack Hussein Obama. 
That's another skinny guy with a funny last name. No, they are seething right now at how well Vivek Ramaswamy did. They brought him in for what it, this is the most hostile interview of any presidential candidate I've ever seen. They wouldn't even let the guy talk. This is contentious level 10. But, yeah, but the problem, I just like to know with his policy, it's just ridiculous on, on Russia and Ukraine. He says, tell Russia basically they can have Ukraine if they promise not to have an alliance with China. I mean, if there's, uh, can we hear us now? Hey, Vivek, Vivek, I can hear. Vivek yep. are you comfortable? You. Are you comfortable with Russia taking as much as Ukraine as they want? Are you comfortable pulling all our aid out? And do you really believe that Vladimir Putin will agree not to have an alliance with China? I think we have to be play hardball there and make a hard deal that requires any reneging on that deal to have major consequences. Like what? Like for sanctions so like we have right now? Well, look, I think that we have to be able to have real consequences, maximum pressure campaign. We have sanctions. We don't have a maximum pressure campaign. And I can go into the details of that, and I have at the Nixon Library and elsewhere. But what I'm saying, Brian, is the clear principles are this war doesn't advance U.S. interests. Yes, the it Russia does. China if you give up Eastern Europe, if you give up Eastern Europe, we're being a war. If I may ask you a question, if right. you ask the question, but, I want to make sure I'm just going to answer you. It, it is detailed, in our interest. Detailed contours of a deal. I think it is not in our interest to strengthen the Russia-China alliance, and I think our policy it's right now be done is anyway. driving Russia further into China's well, arms. It's going to be I done anyway. You, you, you cannot you keep that. Russia from China. I think Russia is going. I think the answer is we are driving Russia into China's hands. There are kinks in the armor of that relationship. Look at Russia sending weapons to India and to Vietnam. Now, notice that Vivek Ramaswamy, he said there are kinks in the armor. I think he meant to say there are chinks in the armor, but you're not allowed to say there are chinks in the armor, especially when you're talking about China. Um, after other meetings they've had, this is our opportunity. Nixon did this in 1972, and Brian, respectfully, people like you said the same thing, that Nixon right. couldn't do it. Uh, well, it takes an outsider was, who's skeptical of that establishment, that's going to be me. Uh, I was... Brian Kilmeade was seven years old when Nixon opened up China. Uh, it's interesting, though. Hold on. You're, gonna about, you're about to hear Vivek praising Richard Nixon, which is actually something that a lot of people are afraid to do. You know, Nixon has been totally discredited for spying on the DNC and he resigned in disgrace. And you're, you're just supposed to hate the guy. You're supposed to write him off. You're never supposed to credit him for anything that he did. Now, I discredit him for something major that he did with respect to the currency and divorcing the currency from the gold standard. That's probably the most evil thing that any president has done in the last, I don't know, couple lifetimes. Nevertheless, here's Vivek praising Richard Nixon on China policy. Seven well, years I old. Mean, but you, uh, we, but, we can but, both, but, you but and I trust Vivek, you to know that. Are you comfortable <laughs> giving up Eastern Europe? Because you know they're already taking Moldova, I'm, already making moves on the Baltic already. They're taking more and more pieces of I'll Georgia. Tell you what I'm not and all with. we've done is sit there and send blankets and MREs, and we got an invasion. So what is going to be next? Because we have no idea how Ukraine has spent $200 billion of our money. We're forking over more taxpayer money. Do you so see how they fight? The crack can These guys house. are the best That's fighters corrupt, in the world. I'm not going to stand for Ukrainians that. Ukrainians are probably the best fighters in the world. Ukraine is not some democracy. Ukraine is fighting for their sovereignty. Ukrainians are the best fighters in the world, Brian Kilmeade. Ukrainians are the best fighters in the world. This is the kind of horse you-know-what that we get from the Fox News, BoomerCon, GOP, Neocon establishment media. Ukrainians are the best fighters in the world. That's objectively false. That's not true. 
It's not even close to true. They're losing a war against an army that's using rusted equipment, okay? I don't think that, look, in a ground war, in a, in a ground war against Russia on the European continent, I don't think we would do very well, to be honest. They got a lot of tanks, a lot of artillery. Nevertheless, it's not the best army in the world. It's really not. And they are steamrolling Ukraine right now. How can you sit there and legitimately say that the Ukraine are the best fighters in the world? Well, you, and they I were mean, invaded. The news they media were invaded. Ukraine has actually assassinated a former president. It just makes you sound so naive. Media doesn't like to report that. So naive. Well, you well, give Brian, up Ukraine, and then a few years you'll be criticizing Joe way. Biden for giving up Ukraine. I respectfully, I, you know, we, we, we can respectfully. Now, Brian, I, I think that if, if I called Nikki Haley naive, you guys would be having a conniption. Let's be honest about that. But you want to call me naive? I actually understand what the heck I'm talking about well, here. They would have a conniption. They absolutely would. If Vivek Ramaswamy called Nikki Haley naive, they would say he has a woman problem. He has a woman problem. He's anti-woman. He's uh, he's he's a sexist. Really? Nixon did this in '72. We can actually we can actually split Just, up the Russia-China and, alliance and what advance happened, American interests. I think and protect World our War II is your better what, example. I think it is offensive. World War II well, is think, your better no, example. Two, one is a diplomatic approach Japan, and one is an active Japan, war. Germany. If you could have split up Japan and Germany, then I do think that you actually have a good example really? of World War II. You got to convince Hitler not to go with a fascist nation. World. And for the, I'm not talking about convincing anybody, Brian. But the fact of the matter is, I think it is offensive that people would sooner use 200 billion dollars of our resources to protect some other nation's foreign border that's not a democracy. When you, in fact you can we're not do even both. doing that effectively you can here do both. on it's our not own either border. Or. We're doing neither. It's neither. It's not either or. Brian, and that's All the right. fact of the matter. Yeah. And I think this neocon wisdom needs to be relegated forget neocon wisdom no one buys into that brian kilmeade literally the neocon uh, news anchor of all time he's mr neocon he's mr nikki haley he loves chris crispy cream donut he wants the neocon he believes in mcdonald's diplomacy he believes you can bomb people into freedom you can force people to be free if you just liberate them from their old cultural norms and if you broadcast you know smut and pornography into their nation and weaken them like we did in Iraq, then we can make them more like us. Oh, just give I, up I, I Eastern Europe. It, just actually. give up Eastern Iraq Europe. Why not? And Afghanistan. Look at those results. The same people that took it to Iraq and Afghanistan are trying to do this again in Ukraine, and it's already been a disaster. Time you, for the neocons not to Not one soldier is there. On not one American soldier is there. Not one American soldier is there, Brian Kilmeade. Again, lying to the American people. We have contractors there. We have special forces there. We have American troops on the ground. Call them former troops. Call them paramilitary. Call them mercenaries. Call them whatever you want. Blackwater is on the ground right now. Government contractors are there advising and assisting and killing Russians. Everybody knows this. And furthermore, Lloyd Austin, I met him. I actually worked for Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin was the four-star general in charge of Iraq when I was in Baghdad. And I worked for one of his deputies, one of his three stars, Barbero. And I was the, um, I worked directly for General Barbero. He's an army officer. I was a Marine. It was a contentious relationship. I was a young first lieutenant in Baghdad. And I would travel around Iraq with, um, with General Barbero. Michael Barbero, and he's a good guy. He really is. And he went to school with Odierno, who was a four star at the time. And I think Austin, who was all, who uh, replaced Odierno, 
And both Austin and Odierno had uh, spectacular careers, and uh, Barbero kind of maxed out a three-star, which is nothing to spit at. Most people don't make it to a star, let alone to three. General Barbero had the mission in Iraq of the advise, assist, train, and equip. And we were working with the Iraqi military to try to turn over things in an orderly manner and teach them how to like maintain equipment and stuff. Because in the Arab mind, you just buy a, you know, the Americans give you a, a new Jeep or a new vehicle or a new whatever, and then you just drive it until, and never change the oil and never, ch- never do anything to it. And then when it stops working, you leave it on the side of the road and then ask the Americans for a new one. That's the Arab mind, and that was our financial relationship with the Iraqis at the time. We were working on a slow withdrawal. I told you this story before. We were expecting to leave 40,000 troops in the country, and uh, Barack Hussein Obama came back and said, well, the number will be zero. There were many tears and lots of people uh, that we were working with asking us to stay. At the time, I was setting up, uh, up t- I, did, I did a weekly call with Lloyd Austin in which Michael Barbero, the three-star, would brief Austin on the various things that our group was doing. I established that call. That was my job to establish that call between those two. On occasion, I would establish a call between the two of those men and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, or on one occasion with the White House. Uh, in almost, uh, almost a year of doing this job, Barack Hussein Obama had one phone call, to my knowledge, uh, with the troops on the ground there. So you can, you, you can take that for whatever it's worth, that the so-called commander-in-chief was so incredibly interested in uh, how the transition out of Iraq was going that he had one phone call with the uh, troops on the ground, to my knowledge. Again, I can't can't tell you certain things about what was in those phone calls because even to this day it remains classified. I can't go into specifics about the things that they would talk about, but I can tell you generally they would talk about what's happening in Iraq in the battle space, in the transition, and uh, pieces of equipment moving here and there and everywhere. I traveled extensively throughout the whole country with Barbero. I carried his phone for him. I set up uh, secure links in hotel rooms for him, like in Turkey, because he also wore the hat of the NATO commander. He was the NATO commander on the ground. So he would have to liaise with other NATO uh, units and he had Brits and Aussies and all kinds of people reporting to him. So we would, we would take helicopter trips all the way around the country from Erbil in the north where you don't even have to wear a flak jacket because it's Christian and nobody's going to kill you there, uh, all the way into Ankara, Turkey, the capital. Uh, I got to tour with Barbero, the library of uh, Ataturk, the founder of uh, modern Turkey, uh, he has t- like 10,000 books in this library. It's a pretty cool library. Um, and had uh, Turkish coffee, which is <laughs> something to behold. And why am, I tell- why, why am I telling you this story? Well, because Vivek is onto something here. They have done. Well, Lloyd just Austin give, just threatened just, earlier this week that we are going to send our troops unless we pass that aid package. Actually. Lloyd Austin is threatening that we are going to send troops unless we, we pass the aid package. Lloyd Austin, let me just tell you this. I've met the man. He's very tall. There is a huge difference in intellectual capacity between General Odierno, who was the U.S. Forces Iraq commander before Lloyd Austin came in, and Lloyd Austin. 
I'm just telling you this from somebody who got to meet both of them and interacted with them weekly. By the way, Odierno is not a short guy either. They're both just massive humans. General Odierno was a sharp guy. He was sharp as a tack. He, he was probably a genius. Multitasking, keeping track of everything, sleeping four hours a day, hardworking. Lloyd Austin is the affirmative action general. I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying this because I have some racial bias. The man is borderline retarded. He couldn't keep track of anything. He never asked any insightful questions in his daily briefs. He had daily briefs. It's called the Bub Battle Update Brief. He had daily briefs that I witnessed. And the man would sit there half asleep while he was being briefed on important things like airstrikes, casualties, movement of troops. He was just wowed by all the slides that he was being uh, shown. He was being displayed all these incredible slides and he was just wowed by it all. The man is not a smart cookie. He's just not. And now he's the Secretary of Defense. And he went into Congress a couple days ago. The King dude was the first person in Catholic media to break this. The King dude was way ahead of this story. I didn't even know about it. The King dude was a day ahead of me, and this is the kind of stuff that I pay attention to. I don't know how he got this story. For Lloyd Austin to go into Congress and blackmail them and say, we will send your daughters and sons. Of course, he said daughters because it's the new woke military. We will send your cousins and your uncles to die if you don't send $60 billion to Ukraine right now. And it's going to pass. It is absolutely going to pass. Thomas Mackey, uh, Mackey? Is that his name? He just went on with uh, Tucker Carlson. Massey, Thomas Massey. And he said, look, Tucker, I wish I could tell you it's going to fail. It's not going to fail. It's going to pass through the Congress. It's going to pass through the Congress because the extortion that low IQ affirmative action Lloyd Austin is, uh, is working on is going to work. Can I just tell you something? I just want to tell you one more thing real quick. I'm just not a fan of taking these four-star generals and turning them into Secretary of Defense's. Trump did it with Mattis, and now uh, Biden did it with Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin was Obama's wartime general in Iraq. Mattis was Bush's wartime general in Iraq. I'm so flipping tired of this revolving door. And, you know, some of these, some of these, gen we have way too many generals in the United States anyway. We have more generals alive than uh, now wearing the uniform than it, during World War II. Half of these generals don't even have any troops. They just like command these command posts that are all like theoretical in nature. Strategic command. Okay, what is strategic command? Well, it's a self-licking ice cream cone is what it is. It's a bunch of generals sitting around convincing Congress that they're worthy of the uh, half million dollars a year that they personally uh, make and the millions or billions of dollars a year that the um, Defense Department needs just to keep their little commands going. I'm just not a fan of taking a four-star and making him the Secretary of Defense. I just, I don't think that that is a good idea. 
And it, and it sort of goes against the American tradition of civilian rule over the military. You start to blur the lines when you take a four-star career, 40-year army officer and then make him the DOD head. You, you sort of blur the lines. I mean, he knows everybody intimately. He rose up the ranks with all those people. There's not a real separation between those guys. And, I, and to be honest, I think Mattis was a huge disappointment. At first, I really liked the idea. The more I got to know Mattis, the more I realized that eh, there's a lot of hype there. And it turns out that he kind of was a uh, self-serving guy. And it's hard for me as a Marine to say anything bad about uh, Jim Mattis, Chaos Mattis. All right, we've d- do you want to hear the rest of Evic? All right, fine, here. He talked about the extortion, and he's in this super contentious quote-unquote interview with Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends. Actually, so okay. Brian, you mark my words. Listen to Lloyd Austin, who's advancing the same policies as the He's Nikki saying Haley he's going to send troops exactly if they move to a NATO nation, not to Ukraine. Pay attention. He said, he expressly said that what's going to require sending troops if we don't actually right, we got, pass we got, we have to the go. Ukraine he aid. He said if so they I think take a NATO nation. foreign policy. And I think that the All hard right, answer is that we need to but protect they, Americans. That's the answer. Thank you so much for joining the program. Uh, notice, how they come up. notice how they come up. They won't give him any airtime. They won't let him answer the question. And here's why. Here's why they're really, really ticked off at him. Because he made Nikki Haley look stupid. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet master right there. The donors, the donors right there that are playing like the Okay, he's pointing at the donors. He's literally pointing at the donors in the room and saying, those are the puppet masters. Those are the people that want war in Ukraine. Those are the people that have personally enriched Nikki Haley. Those are the reason why she went from broke when she left government to making $8 million a year in the military industrial complex. Those are the people pulling the strings and they don't pull my strings. Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. When we come back, I'm going to show you I'm going to read a document that says, you know, Brian Kilmeade brought up World War II. I'm going to demonstrate to you that we knew about Pearl Harbor. In fact, we sort of kind of wanted it. I know that this is crazy. I even have some footage from an old Rothschild as well. Let's go around the world when we come back here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio, the way it should be. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I just met you, heard you're a groomer, so here's your millstone, good luck loser, 
It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. Throw them in the ocean with that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, and this is live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online, always happy to be with you. And today is Friday. It's around the world Friday, ladies and gentlemen. We go around the world and we just talk about whatever the heck we want to. All the news that didn't make the news. Some of it's even older news. But we're going to rehash it and we're going to bring it back to you. I got some church news to get to in the uh, second part of this segment. But we got to let our hair down a little bit, especially because I am broadcasting from RTF South. We got to celebrate a little bit this morning, gents, ladies, boys and girls. It is Around the World Friday on Paratalk. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can email me at restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. I got some hate mail yesterday. Ooh, I sure did. I looked at it on the airplane and I just replied one word. Anathema. Anathema to you, you petty foggers. Keep sending it, though. I've got a declassified document I want to read to you here. Let me see. I got to bring in. I got to. I got to zoom in here so I can get this memorandum for the di- for the director, seven October nineteen forty. Subject: Estimate of the situation in the Pacific and recommendations for actions of the United States. Quote: The United States today finds it finds herself confronted by a hostile Germany and Italy in Europe, and by an equally hostile Japan in the Orient. Russia, the great land link between these two groups of hostile powers, is at present neutral, but in all probability favorably inclined towards the Axis powers, and her favorable attitude towards these powers may be expected to increase in direct proportion to increasing success in their prosecution of the war in Europe. Germany and Italy have been successful in war on the continent of Europe and all of Europe is either under their military control or has been forced into subservience. Only the British Empire is actively opposing, by war, the growing world dominance of Germany and Italy and their satellites. The United States at first remained fully aloof from the conflict of Europe, And there is considerable evidence to support the view that Germany and Italy attempted by every method within their power to foster a continuation of American indifference to the outcome of this struggle in Europe. Paradoxically, every success of German and Italian arms has led to further increase in the United States' sympathy for the material support of the British Empire until at the present time the United States government stands committed to a policy of rendering every support short of war within the 
chances rapidly increasing that the United States will become a full-fledged ally of the British Empire in the very near future. The final failure of German and Italian diplomacy to keep the United States in the role of a disinterested spectator has forced them to adopt the policy of developing threats to U.S. security in other spheres of the world, notably by the threat of revolution in South and Central America, by Axis-dominated groups, and by the emulation of Japan to further accession and threats in the Far East in the hope that by these means the United States would become so confused in thought and fearful of her own immediate security as to cause her to become so preoccupied in purely defensive participation as to virtually prelude U.S. aid to Great Britain in any form. As a result of this policy, Germany and Italy have lately concluded a military alliance with Japan directed against the United States. If the published terms of this treaty and the pointed utterances of Germany, Italy, and Japan and Japanese leaders can be believed, and there seems no ground on which to doubt either, the three totalitarian powers agree to make war on the United States should she come to the assistance of England, or should she attempt to forcibly interfere with Japan's aims in the Orient. And furthermore, Germany and Italy expressly reserve the right to determine whether American aid to Britain, short of war, is a cause for war or not after they have succeeded in defeating England. In other words, after England has been disposed of, her enemies will decide whether or not to immediately proceed with an attack on the United States. Due to geographic conditions, neither Germany nor Italy are in a position to offer any material aid to Japan. Japan, on the contrary, can be of much help to both Germany and Italy by threatening and possibly even attacking British dominions and supply routes from Australia, India, and the Dutch Indies. Thus, materially weakening Britain's position in opposition to the Axis powers in Europe. In exchange for this service, Japan received a free hand to seize all of Asia that she can find as possible to grab, with the added promise that Germany and Italy will do all in their power to keep U.S. attention so attracted to as to prevent the United States from taking positive, aggressive action against Japan. Here again, we have another example of the Axis Japanese diplomacy, which is aimed at keeping American power immobilized and by threats and alarms to so confuse American thought as to pre- pre- preclude prompts. Uh, uh, I can't read this. It's very, uh, it's, a, it's a bad scan of really old typewriter by the United States in either sphere of action. It cannot be emphasized too strongly that the last thing desired by either the Axis powers in Europe or by Japan in the Far East is prompt warlike action by the United States in either theater of operations. The memo goes on. This is a multi-page memo. And the uh, conclusion of the memo is that what the United States needs is to provoke Japan to attack us. Uh, Let's see. An examination of Japan's present position as opposed to the United States reveals a situation as follows. Advantages. Geographically strong position of Japanese islands. A highly centralized, strong capable government, 
rigid control of economy on a war basis. A people insured to hardship and war or in inured, I can't have a people used to it. Basically a powerful army, a skillful Navy, about two thirds, the strength of the U S Navy. Uh, lots of stocks of raw materials, weather until April, rendering direct sea operations in the vicinity of Japan difficult. Here's a disadvantage. A million and a half men engaged in an exhausting war on the Asiatic continent. Domestic economy and food supply severely strained. A serious lack of sources of war materials for war, notably oil, iron, and cotton. Totally cut off from supplies from Europe. Depended upon a distant overseas route for essential supplies. Incapable of increasing manufacture and supply of war materials without free access to U.S. or European markets. Major cities and industrial centers extremely vulnerable to air attack. Okay, so this is, these are the advantages and disadvantages of war with Japan. This is a, a declassified document from 1940. In the Pacific, the United States possesses a very strong defensive position and a Navy and Naval Air Force at present in the ocean, capable of long-distance offensive operation. There are certain other factors at the present time that are strongly in our favor. Uh, Philippine Islands still held by the United States. Friendly and possibly allied government in control of the Dutch East Indies. British still hold uh, uh, Singapore and ha, what is this? Something and Singapore and are favorable to U.S. Important, important Chinese armies are still in the field in China against Japan. A small U.S. naval force capable of seriously threatening Japan's southern supply routes. Uh, already in the theater of operations and a considerable Dutch naval force is in the Orient that would be of value if allied to U.S. If by these means Japan could be led to commit an overt act of war, so much the better. At all events, we must be fully prepared to accept the threat of war. This is signed by A.H. McCollum, and this is a uh, letter to the director. I'm not sure the director of what. Some, maybe some of you know. This, if by these means Japan could be led to commit an overt act of war, so much the better. 1940, ladies and gentlemen. 1940. We are already pining for war and hoping that, that we can just bait the Japs into bombing us, into committing an overt act of war. Hunter Biden has been indicted by a federal grand jury on nine counts, including multiple felonies. Uh, looks like he's going to have to get a lawyer again. Looks like, uh, well, that's I, that's basically all I can tell you. Hey, Elon Musk, <laughs> he was on Twitter all day yesterday, and he had some bangers. This one is maybe his fa my favorite one. So Matt Walsh tweets, unpopular opinion. I don't like that Taylor Swift, I don't like Taylor Swift, but it makes sense that she won person of the year. She had three number one albums, sold like 40 billion concert, concert tickets, and had a top grossing movie in one calendar year. Plus, nobody else besides Elon Musk did anything interesting. 2023 was a throwaway year, so she wins by default. Elon Musk, I agree. <laughs> Look, you can hate her all you want to, but Taylor Swift has had a lot of success this year, a lot more than many of us. <laughs> 
Uh, and there's just no way around that. I'm sorry. Um, I found I found this uh, this Thomas Massey thing to be interesting. I'm going to cut in here where he talks about COVID being a big hoax and how you had to take the vaccine as a sacrament. For affinity for the culture. Um, and then and then you're Rome and then you collapse. Do you think that you will hear more calls in the Congress to solve the recruitment crisis with illegal aliens? I think you will, and I think it's a horrible idea. And you, you characterized the vaccine mandate correctly. That was a purge. It was an ideological purge of our military. It was, it was a uh, loyalty test. to. It was an ideological purge of our military. I am one of those people who was ideologically purged out of the military. It was a loyalty test, and I demonstrated disloyalty to the regime. The regime became extremely vindictive for me, and many of you know that in cahoots with an, an, an actual stated member of Antifa and with the divorcee perjuring extortionist Nazi Niles as their star witnesses, literally a man who is a member of Antifa, no, no troops actually, but they said, well, you know, he's just not gay enough. And I was purged from the military for being disloyal. And my disloyalty was initially discovered because I refused to take the vaccine. To a liberal agenda, uh, it's sort of like taking the, the sacrament um, in, the, in the religion of COVID. And if you wouldn't take the sacrament, then you had to uh, you know, leave the military. And now they're dealing with that. A lot of good people were forced out. I mean, pilots who had millions of dollars of training special operators, uh, uh, you know, and it's sad now that, like you said, we're bringing in people with a different loyalty or no loyalty at all if that if those senators get their way. It's it's absolutely terrifying. La last question, a topic that most people aren't thinking about. I certainly don't understand, but I know you're focused on it. So it's probably important. And that's meat. And you've got a piece of legislation will address what you think is a problem with the way the U.S. government regulates. All right, so um, Tucker is on fire right now, and he had uh, Alex Jones on. I, I listened to um, as much of it as I could. I listened to it as much as I could uh, while uh, traveling to RTF South the other day. And I got to tell you, it was really fascinating. It was really fascinating. I, you know... Tucker says basically what I say, which is 15 years ago, I would have said, hey, Alex Jones is a little bit crazy. Um, he's a little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But today he makes a lot of sense. Um, here's Alex Jones on <laughs> the President Joe Biden walking around naked in the White House. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I've lost the audio here. This is where the, let me see if I can get this back on. He, he is completely out of his mind. He wanders around for the entire two and a half years. It's getting worse. Naked in the White House. Uh, in the middle of the night, doesn't know who he is. They have to give him a bunch of drugs, yeah. a bunch of amphetamines in the morning. Then they've got to drug him uh, at night. Sometimes he's got to, though, he'll like be out for the morning for a while, and then he comes back out at night for a ball. That's when there's a real problem. He is on drugs. I, I have established that. And I know someone who witnessed it. I'm not guessing at this. I know someone personally who witnessed him uh, taking amphetamines. And this was this was during the 2016 uh, 20, 2020 election. So how's this going to? That's huge. I know you don't play games. You've been <laughs> everybody knows that Joe Biden is on drugs. When you when you watch his debates, I mean, the guy goes from stumbling around to like being to you know to totally like on fire at that. Was it the second debate with Trump where everyone was like, "Holy smokes, this guy came to play!" But he was drugged out of his mind. I mean, I, who knows what they had to inject in this guy? 
uh, to get him to get him going. All right, this is Around the World Friday. I want to I want to just play you a historic video. This is a 42 second video. Jacob Rothschild is telling us how they keep power within their family. And Baron James was head of the Paris branch and the youngest of the five sons of our actual Rothschild gave an astonishingly uninhibited description of the 19th century Rothschild policy of keeping it in the family. I'll quote to you from what he wrote and make you smile. In our family, in our family. we've always tried to keep love in the family. We've always tried to keep love in the family. <laughs> in this sense, it was more or less understood since childhood. In this sense, it was more or less understood since childhood. The children would never think of marrying outside the family, so that our fortune would never leave it. The children would never think of marrying outside the family, so our fortune would never leave it. <laughs> you couldn't write that today. <laughs> You couldn't write that today. For those who think that there is no aristocracy anymore, that there is no ruling class, that there are no monarchs, that there, isn't, there are no landed barons that, are, uh, that, are, that, that would have to seek papal indults in order to uh, have inbred relationships, well, that's just not a thing anymore. That's just not a thing. All right, let's land the plane sure. here with Vivek. I, Vivek has dominated our Around the World Friday. Here he is saying that, look, he tweeted this. If you had told me nearly three years ago when I was just a CEO that January 6th was an inside job, I would have said that's crazy talk. It's not. There is now clear evidence that uh, there, this was at least entrapment of peaceful protesters. Here he is on CNN. Let's, let's start okay. with January 6th. Sure. There is no evidence that it is an inside job. It was a fringe conspiracy theory that the Trump-appointed FBI director, Christopher Wray, has said explicitly over and over, is just not true. So let me, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to address it. I was an anti-woke crusader leaving the business world, and if you had asked me three years ago, is there some chance January 6th is an inside job, I would have said that was crazy talk. I would say looking at the facts of the video footage that have come out, Dana, it is shocking that you still haven't gotten a clear answer of how many federal agents were in the field that day. Look at now the video footage of actually throwing explosives and rubber bullets into what was a peaceful crowd, then releasing to the public what came in response to that. But now look at the video footage that was released, and I'm glad we're talking about it because viewers deserve to look at that footage. Capitol Police literally letting people in who were then now prosecuted, some of whom have gone on to commit suicide because of what the government's doing. That is a case of entrapment. And I think the government has not been transparent about this, which is why I then brought up another case where the government, now 20 years later, with declassified documents, tells us that they lied to us at the time. And so I do think we have a government that's people. consistently lied to its people. An inside job suggests that everybody was who, who attacked the Capitol was well, part of that. I didn't say that, but I was saying that there is a case, there's entrapment going on. Oh. Oh, yeah. Keep it going, Vivek. VeggieTales Vivek, the World Economic Forum's favorite false right candidate. I just am loving this, ladies and gentlemen. It is just so amusing to me. Hey, get to church today. 
Get to church today, ladies and gentlemen. It is the uh, this is the feast of the Immaculate Conception. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. Happy Friday and happy weekend to all of you. I hope all of you RTCs out there. Well, I just assume you're under surveillance. Just assume that your personal FBI agent is listening to Paratalk right now on the Crusade Channel, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Around the world, 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 around the world